I want to thank you all for um, being here this morning. I want to thank you. I want to thank the leadership of the church for for extending this um, opportunity to me. Um, if those of you who've never been in front, who've never done this, you have no idea what this feels like, and um, the level of trust that is extended when this happens. So I feel honored to be here. I'm going to read five verses to you out of the Bible. I'm not going to tell you exactly where they are because I don't want you to turn there. I didn't put them on the board because I don't want you reading. I want you to listen. Okay? And what I want you to listen for is I want you to listen for the common element. Okay? This one's out of the Old Testament, out of the book of Isaiah. This is a prophecy um, about the coming Messiah, and this is God speaking as a speaking to the to the uh, the Messiah. And now says the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be His servant, to bring Jacob back to Him, in order that Israel might be gathered to Him. I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. Now listen. He says, Is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will also make you, this is God referring to the Messiah, I will make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. The next is out of Luke. This is Jesus. This is after his resurrection. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. The next one's out of John. You'll recognize it immediately. Who can quote John 3.16? Somebody? Nice and loud. Look the world that he gave his only begotten son that leaveth on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, there's a connection there with the previous. Okay, the end of Matthew. The so-called Great Commission. It's Matthew 28. It's the last chapter of Matthew. Jesus came, this is again after his resurrection, Jesus spoke and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And the last one is, fittingly, out of the book of Revelation. This is um, part of John's vision. And after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes, and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, 
palm branches in their hands, and they were crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What's the connection? It's almost like a children's game. What's the connection out of those five? All the nations. Repeatedly. And this goes clear back in the Old Testament that the coming of the Messiah was going to come through the nation of Israel, but it was not for the nation of Israel alone. That's just where it starts. From the very beginning, the Christian message has a worldwide scope. Even before the coming of the Messiah, the Christian message, the coming of the Messiah, was going to trigger something that was going to affect the entire world. Why does the church exist? We call the church the body of Christ. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit, held together. We're supposed to function, we're a group, we're supposed to function as a body. Why? When somebody gets saved, why doesn't God just take them to heaven and be done with it? Spread the word. What word? God's word, the good news, the gospel. Everything that was just mentioned. God's plan is to include the entire world. All nations, every tribe. You need to understand that when the Bible says nations, they're not talking about political states. Or there's a political boundary. It's talking about people groups. Or it's where we get the word ethnic. Different ethnic groups. There's 230, 240, who knows? 230, 240 political states or political nations in the world. There are tens of thousands of people groups. This is talking about the people groups, not the political states. This is far bigger than 230-some political nations. Far bigger. Which is why it's not over yet. If you're a Christian, you're part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ, one of the assignments, or look at it this way, the mission that we have been given is to Preach and proclaim the news about Jesus to the whole world. That's the reason we exist. Nobody else can do that. Think of mission. You think missions like, oh, missions immediately brings to mind some poor missionary in, you know, in a grass hut in Africa. Bigger picture. Get a bigger picture. We have been given a mission. We have been given an assignment. It takes a lot of different forms. Some of that is local. We talk about local missions. I was asked to talk about foreign missions. Brian talked about local missions uh, several weeks ago. But this is part of a sermon series about making a difference. In this case, it's making a difference through foreign missions. So the church has a mission, has an assignment to fulfill. We've been given a job. Every group of believers, the lo- what we're going to call the local church, this is a local church body. Every local church body is part of that mission. You understand that? By virtue of being Christians, that's, you may not have realized it, but that's what you signed up for. Okay? That's why we exist. You know, picture a guy walk, picture a guy joining the National Rifle Association. 
And he goes to their local convention. And he's standing there, and he takes a break, and he's sitting talking to some guys over some coffee, and he goes, you know, you guys talk about guns a lot. Everywhere I look, it's guns. I mean, what's the big deal? I don't even like guns. Well, what would, what would you say to that person? Boy, did you make a mistake. Yeah, what are you doing here? <laughs> you join a group, it's because at least supposedly you share the values and the mission of that group, right? There's some commonality. You may not have realized, consciously realized when you signed up, so to speak, enlisted in God's army, that this is part of it. You became part of the mission of the church. The question isn't if you are a part of it, it's how are you a part of it. You, the individual Christian, shares that assignment, shares that mission, shares that mandate from God. So spreading the good news about Jesus and spreading the the good news about the kingdom is not an option or shouldn't be. The question is not, do I make a difference? It's how do I make a difference? Where do I fit in? Not if I fit in. We're supposed to make an impact. You know, there's a lot of talk these days about carbon footprint. You know? And that's what? So people will consciously think about how much impact am I having in the world in this particular realm, right? You understand what I'm saying? You know, people that are very, very concerned about global warming and um, what carbon does, or uh, the, the science is a little bit unclear on this, and I don't want to get into that. But the idea is to make you think about, purposely think about, what impact are you having in the world? The goal is what? As far as carbon is to keep it as low as possible, right? What should be the goal of the Christian? Big impact. You go into wilderness areas sometimes and there'll be a sign, leave nothing but your footprints. Minimum impact. That's exactly the opposite of the Christian's position, the Christian mission in the world. We should be consciously considering what is my impact, not how can I minimize it, how can I maximize it. We're supposed to make a difference. So the question is not if. The question is how. Now some of you are going, okay, here we go. Here's where he tries to make, it, make me feel guilty for not getting on the plane and going to a foreign country. Right? Okay, re- really, how many of you thought that was it? Okay, here's where, he, here's where he's going. Here comes the guilt trip. Okay, a few honest souls. No, that is not what I'm up here for. I am up here to nudge you a little bit, but it's not where you think. I want to look in the Bible, again, biblical model, I want to look at a group of Christians that sent some missionaries out and see if we can learn some things. Turn to the book of Acts if you've got a Bible. Chapter 13, it's just a few verses here, and I'm going to put it up on the board. If you want to, if you want to read this yourself, so you know where it is, that's fine. Otherwise, just listen.
Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. This is Saul of Tarsus, who we now know as Paul. He's part of a group, part of a Christian community. Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. Very influential city. It was there that Christians Christians were first called Christians. It had a very influential Christian population. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, what do we got? What do we got here? Prayer and worship meeting. And they were fasting, which means this has been going, this is multiple days, okay? The Holy Spirit said, Hold it. Let's stop there. Who said? Let's, yeah, let's insert God just for simplicity. God says, God lets them know, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, this is the whole group, fasted and prayed, they sent them away. Now, I want to think about that for a little bit. There were thousands and thousands of Christians in Antioch. And they were serious. These are serious people. These are serious Christians. This isn't Sunday go to meet and Christians. These are serious Christians living in a hostile environment. The Roman Empire was hostile to Christianity. These aren't lightweights. This is not cultural Christianity. These are serious Christians. There's thousands of them. Who gets called? called to go to missions. Two. See, some people read the... uh, I've even heard sermons where somebody takes the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, that everybody's supposed to get on the plane. And if you're not getting on the plane, you're not very much of a Christian, are you? Everybody's supposed to get on the plane. You know what? If everybody gets on the plane, there's nobody back here sending them. And keeping them on the field and supporting them. That's what we see here. They were sent by a group. Now notice it says they were called, they were identified by the Holy Spirit. What was supposed to happen, they were set apart. You two. The room's full of Christians. You two have a special mission. I've got something specific for these two guys. The body, the larger body, recognizes it. They recognize the call. They pray for them. Now, the laying on of hands is interesting because laying on of hands signifies corporate. They're behind them on this. They're with them on this. And the two that have been set apart are representing the larger group. They're not going out on their own. They're going out with the authority and blessing and covering of the larger group. That's what the laying on of hands signifies. This isn't two guys that go, hey, I got an idea. This is a corporate event. Now, when you read it, it sounds like it all happened the same day. They're having a prayer meeting. goes, these two guys, okay, see you all later. And they walk out the back door. Probably there were weeks or months of preparation that went behind this. What we've got is, a, is like a synopsis, a quick overview. 
They were sent out. It doesn't say they left on their own. They were sent out, and that means something. All these details mean something. And then you read, this is, the, this is the beginning of their first missionary journey. There were three missionary journeys that Paul was on that, that are clearly identifiable. And when Paul comes back, when they come back, they report back to the people who sent them. They were sent on a mission. They had an assignment and they had a debrief at the end to those who had sent them. There's a responsibility here. Do you see that? This isn't two guys that just decided to go out and preach the gospel somewhere. They were sent with a specific mission and they were expected to answer when they came back and give a report. You were sent on a mission. What did you do? What did you do in our name? What did you do with the assignment that we gave to you? Paul, an apostle called by Jesus, was not above giving a report to those who sent him. The body is bigger than the individual. So, did it all happen the same day? I don't think so. Let's think a minute. Do you think that the people in Antioch, the Christians in Antioch, continued to pray for them after they left, after they got on the boat? They were going into really dangerous, potentially dangerous situation here. Do you think they had a lot of prayer coverage? Absolutely. Does it say that? No. Is it a reasonable thing to assume? Yes. Is it reasonable to think that Paul and Barnabas maybe sent back reports when they could, when somebody was going back to Antioch? It was a major city. People had been going back and forth and say, hey, take this letter. Hey, get, you know, get word. To, you know. Was that going on? Almost assuredly it was going on. Does it say that? No. You have to read between the lines and think. When it says that the body prayed for them and sent them out, do you suppose that maybe they had, you know, gave them the old Italian handshake with the $20 bill in it? Do they, when they're sending them out, was that equipping them also? Or was it, don't let the door hit you on the way out? Think. These details mean something. They were equipped. They were called, they were equipped, they were encouraged, they were prayed for, they were commissioned, and they were sent out by a group, and they would return, and they would report to them. There were thousands of Christians in Antioch, and those thousands of Christians were busy making a difference in Antioch. They weren't doing something, they weren't bad, they weren't doing anything wrong, because they must not have been very good Christians, they didn't get called. No, it wasn't their job. Paul and Barnabas had a specific job. But only, there's a lot of Christians, but only a few were sent out. We're supposed to make a difference in this world. That's why we're here. We're supposed to make a difference in this world. We, we, who call ourselves Christians. Who's the we? We who call ourselves Christians. We who call ourselves followers of Jesus. We who as a group are supposed to function as Jesus' body, continuing doing what he was doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's our job. That's our assignment. That's our mission in this world.
the question isn't whether you're supposed to be involved in missions, either locally or internationally. The question isn't whether you're supposed to be involved. You are involved. You should be involved on purpose. You should be involved consciously. You need to be weighing your assignment. What is your assignment? What am I responsible for? What is my part in all this? You want to make a difference in the world? Is there anybody that doesn't want to make a difference in the world? Is there anybody that just like, I just want to slide through and when I die, the idea would be that nobody even notices. I've changed nothing, affected nobody. I just quietly disappear off the face of the earth and leave no footprints. Is that anybody's goal? If it is, you're really living a lame life. Make a difference. You're supposed to. Make a difference. Do something. If you want to make a difference, you're going to have to do something. Now, as far as foreign missions, okay? Let's focus on that for just a minute, looking at this, looking at this model we just looked at. You can pray. You can encourage You can equip, you can help train, you can give, and that doesn't mean just money. So you go, well, I don't have any money. There's lots of other things that are needed. You can send, and you can even go. You don't have to get on the plane to be involved in foreign missions. Somebody has to stay back and send So where are you in there? What could you do? I want you to think for a few seconds. Just think out of this list. Pray. Encourage. I want to make a... I've got just enough time. I want you to understand I leave and go away to foreign countries and then I come back. You know, and I, sometimes I get called up front, and people pray for me, and people come up and pray, and that you cannot imagine what that feels like, how good that feels, because it says, these people are with me. These are the people that are sending me. These are the people that are going to be praying for me. These are the people that are going to ask when I come walking back in two weeks later, they go, hey, how did it go? Tell me how, how tell me it went. There's only a couple dozen people. They're a great encouragement to me. There's only a couple dozen people that are that focused, that are that tied in. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody. I'm trying to get you to understand just encouraging, just, just showing that you have any care at all about it is a tremendous asset. And you don't have to go anywhere to do that. So think. You could pray. You could encourage. You could equip, and that can take a lot of different forms. You can help train. That can take a lot of different forms. You can give. That could be money or material possessions, books. There's all kinds of things, medical supplies, all kinds of things there. You can send, and you might even go. Pick one. Now, turn to the person beside you and tell them one thing that you could do to further the Christian mission. I'm literally turn to a person, turn to somebody near you and say out loud one thing that you could do to further the Christian mission. 
not trying to guilt trip anybody. I'm trying to show you that this is very, very accessible. Because this isn't, get, this isn't getting on the plane. That's a huge jump for some people. That scares the pants off of some people. There's lots of other ways. And there's lots of other ways needed. Only a few people are called to get on the plane. And they're not better than you. That's just their part of the job. So be in prayer. Be serious. Do it on purpose. Think. I am responsible. I am responsible for part of this. God's got something for me to do. What is that? God wants you to know, and you need to know. Now, if the worship team can come up, you want to come up and pray? You want to come up and pray about this particular thing? There's lots of other needs in this room. I understand that. The prayer team will be up here. Uh, We're going to play a couple songs, give people time to think and reflect and pray. If you need prayer this morning for anything, There's people here that love to pray for you. And then we'll close in prayer in a few minutes.